Welcome to the Faith for All podcast. This week, we will be listening to a sermon from Pastor Dana O'Brien's sermon series about the Sermon on the Mount. This sermon series was originally given between August and November 2023. We hope this sermon is both meaningful and educational for you. Seated. Well, that kind of says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> all right. So, our world reflects a lot of what was in that song. Jesus has some different views, so let's hear them. It starts in Matthew chapter 6 at the 19th verse. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here's the key. No one can serve two masters. Either, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, no matter how hard we try. Oh, sorry. Therefore, <laughs> therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store anything in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, are you not of much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers in the field grow? They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith, you of little trust? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, there, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. All right, so it's a nice upbeat passage, right? Okay, so it actually is. It actually is, and we're going we're gonna to see how it actually is. Um, I was watching the Today Show yesterday morning. Um, Today Show's my news show of choice. They were interviewing a medical professional uh, regarding how to talk to our kids about what's happening in, um, in Israel. And, uh, bef but before she even answered any question, before they even asked a question, she, she, said, she said, now is the time for everyone to connect with your therapist if you have one. And I thought, whoa, whoa. Um, but you know, we've, we've, always, we've always been an anxious culture. Um, always, but it seems that in recent weeks, in recent months, in recent years, um, events have really, really ramped up our propensity to worry. And so, and so it's really good. It's a really good thing that today, as we continue uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and our look at that, we, um, we run into Jesus' comments about, about worry and about not, not to worry. Um, we know that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is his most detailed teaching about what God's kingdom looks like and how we live that kingdom out in, in, in the world today. Um, it's, a, it's a good thing that, we, that, we, um, that we're looking at it today because of the focus on worry. And while it may initially appear as if Jesus is simply commanding us to stop worrying, and as if the command will stop us from worrying, as we look deeper, 
as we look deeper, we're going to find that instead of just a command, Jesus is issuing us an invitation to turn our worry into trust, to turn our worry into trust. So we remember, like the last six weeks we've looked at, we remember that in this sermon, Jesus is inviting us into, a, into the kingdom of God that he is forming around himself. He's just come out, started his ministry, and he's forming a group of followers to live out kingdom values that are very, very different, countercultural, alternative set of values to the way the world works, right? We've already learned loads of stuff, but a couple of things. We learned that it's a kingdom where we live in ways that honor and respect the image of God in all people. We've learned that it's a place where we work to enact God's will rather than our own, where we, where we pray for food for all people, and then, and then we go out and we live it and we try and make that a reality. And where love of God and neighbor and yes, even enemy is supreme, okay? Those are just a couple of the things we've, we've learned. And we've seen that, that what Jesus is all about here is not simply changing our behavior, which is hard enough, but he's actually trying to transform our hearts. He wants us to become more of who God originally created us to be so that, so that acting like Jesus acts and wanting the things that God wants actually become natural expressions of who we have become, okay? So we just do it naturally, or more appropriately for me, I guess, not who I have become, but who I am becoming, right? And that, dear friends, is exactly, it's exactly what it means to live as a follower of Jesus in today's world, okay? And here's the kicker. The, the kicker is that, that Jesus is working to transform our hearts to embrace and live by God's kingdom but most of the rest of the world is living by an entirely different set of often conflicting values. That's, that's the hard part. If we were all being transformed and everybody decided to live by Jesus' values, we wouldn't have to worry about strife and, and problems and, and all the stuff that we worry about. But, but we're trying to live one way. Jesus calls us to live a way that's different than the rest of the world is living. So today we tackle the second half of chapter six and we start out with Jesus' instruction to not store up treasures on the earth, rather store them, store them up in heaven. And, you know, I've always thought, because this is the way I grew up, I've always thought that Jesus was contrasting our life today with our life after death. When we store up treasures in heaven, he's telling us to, to kind of save up for our future after we die, okay? No, we, as, you know, we're more than halfway through this sermon, and we know that Jesus is not talking about what happens after we die. Jesus is focused on right here, right here, where we put our trust now, what we value now. Do we, do we treasure and invest in the values of the world, power, wealth, status, all the rest? Or do we invest in the values and the righteousness of God's kingdom, relationships of love and mercy and grace? And, and Jesus knows that because wherever we put our treasures, wherever we put our treasures, our time, our focus, our money, whatever we focus on, our heart is gonna follow. And remember, that's what Jesus is all about, transforming our heart. Now, again, he then he reminds us of the importance of living as the light that Jesus already told us we were. And then he finally, finally lays out our choice. You can't, you can't pick and choose, he says. You, you can't serve two masters. You can't give your complete loyalty to two often opposing kingdoms. You can't serve both God and money. And, and here Jesus, he means money, but he also means all the things that money and wealth can buy, right? He's also including everything in the world, everything that the world values, all the stuff that, that the band was just singing about a few minutes ago. Again, Jesus asks us 
Which kingdom will we live in, right? Whose values will we adopt as our own? Just last week, we looked at the Lord's Prayer, right? We, we looked at the Lord's Prayer where we, where we pray each week that, that God's will will be done, that God's kingdom will come to earth. And we say, we say it every week, but Jesus knows. Jesus knows that wealth has a terrific pull on us, right? The world's values have a terrific pull on us. And that while we might pray for godly things on Sunday, it is so tempting. It is so tempting to, to not want to leave them all behind on Monday, right? We want to slide right back into the rest, the way the rest of the world operates, okay? And, and when we live as Jesus' disciples, he's saying you can't do that. You can't, you can't pick and choose. You can't, you can't live one way this today and another way another way. It's either, you're all in. Either way, you're all in, but you've got to choose. For the last week, I, like so many of you, have been following what's going on in Israel and Gaza. Um, a week ago, it was just a week ago, um, we were all shocked by the, by the horrific, the horrific actions of the Hamas terrorists, right, against the Israeli civilians. Um, and I have to confess that I was even more shocked by my own immediate response of, of revenge. I, it come, it came, natu- I, couldn't, I couldn't do anything about it, that's just what came up. It took me a while to, to say, wait, that's not, that's not who I am, right? It's not how I live, right? And now, and now we're so saddened by what I fear will happen to the Palestinian civilians and, and some of the Israeli civilians too as they are going to be caught in the crossfire between two peoples who, who can't seem to live with each other. And, and you know, I suspect that some of the horrific, the horrific events and violence that we've seen in Israel and Gaza for this last week now, only a week, I'll bet you that a lot of that was happening in Ukraine over these last 18 months. And I bet you a lot of it happens all over the world, all the time. But I'm fortunate enough to live in a place where I just don't have to know about lots of that stuff. It is so hard. It is so hard to live the values that Jesus teaches us in the middle of this very, very, very broken world. Now, how, how can we be peacemakers when that's the last thing some people want? And sometimes it's the last thing that we want, right? How, what does it mean to not retaliate and to love one's enemies when, when your enemies are trying to kill you, right? Don't we, have to, don't we have to do it to them before they do it to us? And yet that's, that's exactly what Jesus did, loved his enemies, didn't retaliate, right? And they killed him for it. They, they killed him for it. But you know what? When they killed him for it, our God of new life acted and raised him from the dead. This, this we believe. This is, this is God's final promise to, to, to Jesus and to all of us. This is God's final, final word. But it's hard. It's, it's hard to accept Jesus' invitation to be transformed by the love of God and by the countercultural rules of God's kingdom when the rest of the world lives so differently. And, and here's the thing. That's not to say that the rest of the world is right and Jesus is wrong. We know that Jesus' values are right. We know, because when we live into him, we, we get a peace and a, and a comfort and, and something that, that makes us more than what we are otherwise. We know that what he's calling us to do is the, is the right way to be. It, it brings us back to who, what it means to be really human. But it's, it's so hard when nobody else is doing it. And one of the commentators, I'm way off script, give up on the slides. Um, one of the commentators I was reading said, you know, but the problem isn't that, that um, that what Jesus calls us to do is, is wrong, it's, it's because of the rest of the world not living this way. But what if, what if we all lived this way? 
What if we all lived? Then there'd be enough for everybody. There, everybody would be seeking peace. We might not do it perfectly, but, but that's what would happen. If we all strove for God's justice, God's kingdom first, the world would be an entirely new place. And it's our job to show people this alternative way, to show them the way that we should all be going, even when it's always hard to be a first adopter, right? Um, even when the rest of the world may not be going that way. Okay? So, so it's hard. It's, it's hard to accept Jesus' invitation. It's hard to, to not slide back into the way the rest of the world, the rest of the world lives. Um, it seems that, that so often, and I'll confess, and I'm, I know I'm not alone, so often my instinctive response is to go with the world. So, so how do I open up, how, how do I open up my fisted hands to God's transforming grace, to become, to become that new person that Jesus wants to make of me? All of which leads us to Jesus' next statement. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than the food and the body and more than clothes? As noted earlier, we all worry, right? We all worry. And really, really, there are so many things in this world to worry about. You can pick and choose, right? In addition to what's happening in Israel and Ukraine, there's our, there's our own political turmoil evidenced by our stalled Congress. We can't do anything. I mean, I'm not, being, I'm, not, I'm being literal here. We really can't do anything, right? The divisiveness we see throughout our nation, right? There's our dramatically warming planet, which is wreaking havoc on people all around the world. But, but for some reason, we as a nation can't seem to, to find the will to combat it. There's, there's ongoing issues that, that all of us have to deal with, right? There's our economic outlook, our health, our job security, our physical safety. I could go on and on and on, but I don't have to. And I know I don't have to because while I've been talking, you've been coming up with your own lists of things that, that, you, that you worry about, much of which, when we think back on it, is probably completely out of our control. We live in an incredibly anxious society and our, unfortunately, our consumer culture and some of our leaders even feel that feed on that anxiety and they do it for their own, their own gains, their own political power and economic gains, right? Now I don't have to, uh, the other thing I don't have to tell you is, is the downsides of worry and anxiety. How it causes all sorts of health concerns, it saps the joy out of life, how, how it often robs us of our ability to live in the present, okay? Um, because we're, we're so caught up in hypothetical, yes, hypothetical events of the future that we, that we miss what's going on. You know, in today's, in today's reading, um, Jesus talks about how God takes care of the sparrows and the lilies, but you know, when we're so worried about our future, we miss out on what God is doing all around us in the present. And something else that we may not be aware of, and I guess I wasn't until I, until I thought about this, worry also causes us, us to be extremely self-centered, right? At the end, it's just us and our worry, and it just, just comes in and it, and it just seems to, to overtake us. And what that does is it distances us both from God and from other people. Have you, have you ever, and I don't think I have, have you ever asked yourself when you're worrying about something, where is God in this? Where is God in this? And you may find that you haven't even been thinking about God in connection, whatever it is you're worrying about, because the worry is so consuming. And of course, you guys, it's not like we want to worry, right? It's not like we say, oh, goody, oh, goody, today I'm going to obsess over what could go wrong in the world, right? Sometimes we just can't help it. Sometimes we, or at least it feels as if we just can't help it, which is why it's so, so important to listen to what Jesus is saying here as he shows us how to overcome our worry by turning it into trust. And he starts, he starts by telling us what we already know. I mean, deep down, even as you're in the middle of worrying, you know this. Worrying won't change your circumstances. 
It won't change our futures. It won't, as Jesus says, add a single hour to our lives. It gets us no place. And so then it goes back to what Jesus said earlier, because if you remember, it was therefore. Therefore, he said, why are you worried? It goes back to what Jesus has been saying all along. It's all about where we put our treasures. Okay? It's all about where our hearts are. It's the master we choose to serve. Because when we choose to serve the kingdoms of the world, when we choose to put our primary trust in, in money and power and status and all the stuff that wealth brings, when we place our ultimate trust in the stuff of the world for our security and our happiness and everything that gives us meaning and purpose, we are just inviting worry into our lives. We are just, open the door, come on in, hey there, hi, how are you? Because here's the thing, you guys. The kingdoms of this world, and we, we know this, they all operate on a scarcity, me first mentality, okay? Scarcity, me first, and that means that when we rely on the world to provide what we need, we're also buying into the idea that there's a finite amount of whatever it is we need to go around. So one person's gain is inherently another person's loss. And if you're self-centered, you gotta have it all, right? We either, so we worry that we either don't have enough, or we worry about getting more, or we worry about keeping what we have, and most of the time we worry about it all, right? How much, how much money do I, do I need to secure my future? My health, my happiness, my kids' futures. Indeed, will I ever have enough to protect me against our warming planet and the wars breaking out of the world and the cracks appearing in our democracy? And it goes on and on and on and on. And you know what? It turns out that there is never enough. There is just never enough. Moreover, as Jesus notes, even if we thought we had enough, the things of the world, they don't last. Our health, our money, our stuff, all the things that we could put our trust in, they do disappear in a moment. And when we put our trust in something we can't be certain of, when we need it, you guys, another invitation to worry. But, and here it is, but, Jesus says, when God is your master, and the, and the Greek word is, is kurios, okay, which, which we often translate as Lord, I'd say. So, so when God is your Lord, does that remind us of anything? Maybe like our first guiding principle out on, the, out on the wall out there, Jesus is Lord? Yeah, maybe. Anyway, when your treasures and your heart are set on God, then there's no need to worry. If your ultimate trust is in the faithful and the eternal God who loves you beyond measure and you're striving for God's kingdom, you don't have to be anxious about your present. You don't have to be anxious about your future because our God of abundance knows exactly what we need. And this God who has our back wants nothing more than the best for each and every one of us. Now, this isn't the prosperity gospel sermon. That doesn't mean that as a follower of Jesus, our lives are gonna be a bed of roses, right? Of course not. God's promise is not to make our life easy. It is to be with us when life is hard. Moreover, we know that what hard, that whatever is hard, is never God's last word, right? God never leaves us in the midst of hard because God's last word is always, and I say this all the time, God's last word is always resurrection. It's always new life. We know the end of the story. We know the ultimate plans God has for us, and we know that God is faithful and God's promises are certain, and I bet you can all look back on events in your life that prove that exact point. God's promises are certain. God is faithful. Did you know that six time, 16 times, 16 times in the Sermon on the Mount, in those three little chapters, he only does it 42 times in the entire 28 chapters, but 16 times in three little chapters, Jesus refers to God as our Father. Our Father, Jesus wants us to experience the same intimate relationship, the same trust 
that he himself has for his loving father. It's, you guys, it's the trust of a child, right? It's the trust of a child who has complete confidence in their parent, in the parent that loves them and will do what's best for them no matter what, right? When a, when a, little, when a little kid, just like in the picture, when a little kid reaches up to put his hand in his parent's hand without even looking, they don't even look up, they just put their hand up because they know without question that the parent is gonna reach back and grab that hand, right? Or when a, when a kid jumps off a bed or a hay bale or a couch or whatever they're jumping off, a, launching themselves at their parent, right? Never for a minute do they doubt that their parent will catch them. That's trust. That's an absolute confidence that the parent will be there, that the parent will make everything right. It's that certain trust that makes vulnerability possible. That, that, Jesus says, that is our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's the kind of trust that we can live with. Now, I'm a warrior. Well, some of you may know that. I'm a warrior, but, but here's what I've learned. As I try to strive for God's kingdom and God's righteousness, as I become a better follower of Jesus, my trust in God's ability to take care of me no matter what gets stronger. It gets stronger. And, and my tendency to worry decreases. So trust in God gets stronger, worry decreases. I'm not there all the time. I'm not there all the time. Uh, my discipleship journey also often looks like a, a roller coaster ride, right? Sometimes I'm willing to step way out of my comfort zone knowing that God's got me, God's going to catch me. Other times, not so much. And I'm guessing I'm not alone here. So when the inevitable times of worry come, here are a couple of quick suggestions to get us back on track, to, to remind us where our treasures and our hearts lie, to whom in whom we trust, okay? First, when you're stuck on a hamster wheel of worry, pray, pray. Pray for God to take the things that you're worried about. To even, because we sometimes pray to give them to God, but we give them and we take them back. So pray for God to take them, to even pry them out of your tightly clenched hands if necessary, right? And then for God to replace those worries with grace for the moment and the peace that only God can give. Second, memorize one of God's promises. One of the promises that can ground you in a sense of safety, something that, that anchors you in the truth of God's presence and protection, okay? Now, I know memorization is tough, but it could be as simple as God is my refuge or the Lord is my shepherd, right? And then, when you feel worry getting the better of you, recite this phrase to help reset your mind. Maybe you have to recite it over and over and over again. Help reset your mind, bring you back to the one who loves you. Third, do something that involves a focus on others. As mentioned, our worries pull us into ourselves and doing something other focused brings us back out. And it often helps us see God working in the world around us. Finally, make a gratitude list. It is almost, it is impossible to worry when you are giving thanks. Paul, writing to the Philippians, in, uh, in the letter to the Philippians, um, while in prison, okay, Paul's writing this letter while in prison, waiting possible execution, okay? Now, that's something that would probably cause all of us to worry, right? But not Paul. Paul reminds us not only to pray, but to give thanks. Do not be anxious about anything. Go back. I need to read that. Go back. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. If you can write that when you're in prison, that's pretty impressive, right? I don't know that I could do that. You guys, we live in the middle of a very, very, very broken world, but God calls us, God invites us to live differently, to strive for God's kingdom, knowing that God alone, alone can meet our needs and secure our future. God invites us each sort of to take a leap of faith, trusting, trusting in God's ability to catch us. Amen. 
We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you're able to bring some of these concepts into your life. Come back next week for another episode of Faith for All. Faith for All was created by Cross of Glory Church. If you'd like more information on Cross of Glory, please visit our webpage at crossofglory.com where you can learn more about the church, see our upcoming events, and watch previous services and sermons. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Everyone, and we do mean everyone, is welcome to join us at 9.30 a.m. each Sunday morning for worship on our website, Facebook, YouTube, or in person at 14719 West 163rd Street, Homer Glen, Illinois. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, family, and anyone else you can think of about it. Faith for All is available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you find podcasts. Todd Mazera created our original music. John Uzardo engineered the sound. Jeff Wanderson handled the production duties. And I'm your friend and humble announcer, Andrew Morin. Thank you for joining us.